1: So, what percent of your time is dedicated to the podcast? I'm going to ask you about some things that have been challenges uh, between the two of you. What do you think gets in the way of your communicating more directly to Becca? You're trying to corral Francesca, and you're feeling spoken down to. What are one of or a couple of Francesca's buttons— that, by the way, thank you very much for disclosing that.
2: This week on Works For Me, we get grilled. Welcome to Works For Me, the show where we test out productivity strategies on our own personal problems to find out if they'll work for you. I'm Becca Greenfield. And I'm Francesco Levy. This week, it's Francesca's turn. And
3: Becca's turn to tackle a thorny workplace problem.
2: We're doing things a bit differently this week. Instead of one of us taking on something we're struggling with at work, we're going to solve a problem together.
3: Yeah. So we're right in the middle of making this first season of our show. And we realize that we have a work issue we could both address. How to work together better as a team. We're in close contact a lot for this podcast, and naturally tensions arise. But we also realize we've never treated our own collaboration as a thing to work on. We've just kind of taken it for granted. Yeah, like any team, we we have conflict. We get into fights, and we don't really address them. I wouldn't say we avoid them, but we've never taken the time to sit down and like talk through no. how we feel about a conflict about no, a no, deadline. No, no.
2: We just move, keep on, keep you it, on. keep on moving. Yeah. And I think that's true for most teams of people working closely together. You do the work. Sometimes there's these little moments of frustration and you just keep on going with the work. You don't actually consider the relationship.
3: So that's what we're going to do this week. We're going to focus on how to work better together.
2: So the first thing we did was we went out and found a duo that's been working together well for years. I am Erica Cerullo, one of the co-founders of Of A Kind, a business that I started with one of my best friends from college, Claire Mazur. And I'm Claire Mazur. I'm the other half of this Of A Kind co-founding work wife writing team. Claire and
3: Erica have been friends for 17 years and business partners for nine, and they spent a long time figuring out how to make their working relationship thrive. I would say one of the things that we've learned over the course of our relationship is a willingness to be vulnerable with one another, to not be afraid that if you express that you're overwhelmed or that, you know, stuff's not going well or you don't feel great about a project, to not be afraid that the other person's going to judge you for it or be like, oh, she's really fallen off.
2: And I think the other thing that goes hand in hand with that is transparency. I think the more you can share with one another, whether that be about, uh, you know, context of your professional life outside of just your relationship or even context of your personal life, the more that helps inform the other person's understanding of everything, including your vulnerabilities. Claire and Erica also believe that the power of female friendship has helped them succeed. For their new book, Work Wife, coming out in March, they talk to other successful female pairs to explore what's special about women working together. We think about the qualities of female friendship that when they start becoming part of the workplace, reshape the workplace. Just
3: the caretaker role that women often play by nature of the way our society uh, works and has worked means that they bring more fluidity. And so by leading with these qualities like compassion and vulnerability and emotional transparency, you just create a totally different environment. What I like about their point of view is that they treat being women like an asset and not a liability. Like, I think a lot of the times that When people talk about women working together, there are a lot of negative stereotypes about it. And they instead, their whole take is women actually bring qualities to working together that make businesses better.
2: And hopefully podcasts.
3: So our problem is that we think we could work better as a team. Ideally, we'd work together as well as Claire and Erica do. So we dug a little deeper with them to figure out how they got to such a healthy place. And Claire told us they see a management coach. It's not necessarily right for everybody, but when you're working really
2: closely with someone day in and day out, it can be huge. We say that he's one part executive leadership, one part therapist, and one part marriage counselor. Claire and Erica essentially go to couples therapy.
3: I know. I was kind of relieved to hear that, that they weren't just born perfect collaborators. And also, I had no idea that there were people who do that, who will just be your work wife, couples therapist. Yeah, I love it. So that's this week's experiment. We're going to find a management coach and see if one session can help us improve our working relationship.
2: We'll consider the experiment a success if a week after our session, we've implemented any of the coach's tips to solve a problem.
3: I'm extremely nervous. I'm just terrified at the idea of... Having to kind of think through this stuff and talk openly about it. It's a weird thing to do at work.
2: Yeah, it's way easier to just let it fester. Yep. (laughs) We found a management coach named Ben Michalis, who, according to his website, drbenmichalis.com, is an elite performance coach for CEOs and business partners. He costs $400 an hour per session, so not cheap. Before we met him
3: in person, Ben asked us to take some time to think about our relationship. He wanted us to send an email with some things we liked about working together and some things we didn't.
2: So this part definitely made it feel real for me. I don't know about you. Oh, yeah. It was, like, uncomfortable to put to words, my. Thoughts and feelings.
3: Yeah, I and I knew you were never going to read the email because we sent separate emails to him. And even just writing down my private thoughts about what I thought we could work on
1: was nerve-wracking. Yeah, somehow it
2: felt dangerous. Then after that stressful experience, the day of the session arrived.
1: Feel like I'm like interviewing right now with the two of you, like like I mean like I know, a job this is a interview. Very like <laughs> interrogative <laughs> okay.
3: setup. Ben met us um, on a Friday morning. That's okay. We sat down facing each other, hands, so like, made some small talk, and got started. Fun, you know, uh, and now we're just yeah, going to play you an edited version of what happened next.
1: So you know I'm I'm pretty direct, and so I'm going to ask questions. And if you don't want to answer them, like feel free to just not answer them. But I I actually, my goal is for both of you to actually have real takeaways at the end of today, so that like you actually have some things to to use. So this is not just helpful for people outside, but for the two of you. What would you say, Becca, is one of your favorite things about working with Francesca, or some of them? Can I say more than one? Yeah, yeah, you could say several of them.
2: Well, I like. I mean, we like each other. Like, I like hanging out with somebody who's I like to Mm -hmm. hang out with. We talk about a lot of things, and we have similar interests and like talking about the same thing. So that's cool and really fun. And then more on like a work note that I think she has a lot of good big picture ideas. So like this show was her idea. I have a hard time coming up with ideas. Everyone does. So it's nice to work with somebody who came up with good ideas that you get to work on. That's so nice.
1: And how about you?
3: Um, Well, I would say the same thing that like I think we're we're compatible as friends. She's really thoughtful about giving critiques and edits she'll go through a script and or an episode and and give me her thoughts on it. And she's not, she's not rude, but she's direct about what, you know, she thinks needs to be changed. And I'll usually agree. Or if I don't like, we'll talk through it and we'll come to another decision.
1: Obviously the two of you really like each other. You really respect each other. And which is great. So really what we're doing is we're looking at sort of optimizing your relationship, which is a great, great place to be. So what we're going to move into now is I'm going to ask you about some things that have been challenges uh, between the two of you, and I'm going to let either of you start.
3: I can start. okay. (laughs) Since Becca started with the nice things. Um, Sweet. I am really oversubscribed Mm -hmm. with all of my other work, and that's my fault. (laughs) But um, I feel like Becca sometimes assumes that I am just not working hard enough on this project because... I'm not or because I'm, you know, I'm I'm putting it off or I'm being lazy. And I think that I have often had to triage and I have found myself triaging and I have bumped this show down the priority list at times. And so I think that that pisses back off. And then I think that she will sometimes demand a lot of time for the show or request a lot of time for the show um, in a way that makes me feel a little bit like she just doesn't. She doesn't think I'm working hard enough on it, but I, I feel like I also just have other things to do.
1: A- any thoughts about that? Th- by the way, thank you very much for <laughs> Yeah, thanks for that. saying.
2: Well, it's, it's true. You're right. I get frustrated. Like, I want us to work on it. But it's not like I don't think you're not working on other things. Like, I know why it's happening. I know you're busy. But I also think you're not, you've never told me
3: that? I mean, it's really interesting to hear Becca say, while she understands I- in While she understands in the abstract that I have other work to do, I've never actually said this day or this week is dedicated for me 90 percent on this particular other project, which would be very easy to do. And I haven't done it. And I think my guilt gets in the way.
1: How do you communicate like over the course of like, okay, we're working on this podcast? How does that information get get transmitted between the two of you? For a, I know it's a bit of a ham-fisted question, but like,
3: like how are we doing it now?
1: Yeah, how are you communicating what what like the workload for a week?
2: I mean, in our chat.
1: Ah, okay. Sorry, <laughs> I, I'm I'm cutting you off. Yeah, But cut I was it off. I, I sort of set you up for that. When you're communicating emotional information, like oh, this is not going the way I thought it would, if you can, do it in person. Hmm. If if you're going to need to push a deadline or if you're trying to push back, do it in person. You're entitled to be upset if a deadline isn't respected. But I do think that if you communicate like your disappointment visually, what does that do? It does a couple of things. It actually, there's a real consequence for you not having kept up the agreement is the emotional consequence of seeing your partner be disappointed. Yeah. So it makes you less likely to do it in the future because <laughs> you're like, oh, I don't want to I don't want to do that. And you actually can soften some of the disappointment through communicating face to face, but you can do it in a way that's empathic as opposed to online. Everything gets lost. And I do find that a lot of fights between partners or disagreements happen because of the lack of context on those channels.
3: I get meeting face to face completely, but I don't necessarily need to understand Becca's disappointment because I feel like I anticipate Becca's disappointment <laughs> at all times.
1: <laughs> Understood. But w- one of the things that I'm trying to actually help with is increase the reliability of the signal. So because you anticipate things, yeah. Becca might be like, you know, having a week where she's just like hanging out drinking margaritas at her desk, um, which happens no. all the time, I understand. <laughs> yes, yes. yes, Right um, now. Yeah, a mark. Um, or she may be anticipating a vacation or or she may be under some other deadline and i think that you imagine more disappointment than is actual um okay so i have a question for you yeah um what are one of or a couple of francesca's buttons things that like she just does not Mm. like that do not work for francesca
2: oh my goodness i have
3: to think about that do you know what your buttons are I mean, the only thing I can really think of when it comes to our relationship is when you're just expressing like your frustration that a time frame is being compressed or that a deadline is going to be missed or that we're not going to get done what we expected to get done. Um, it'll come out as like, OK, but uh, guys, we're really, you know, now we're really pushing it or now we're really behind on time. And I I feel like um talked down to.
1: So I was thinking about how these things get communicated. And I'm wondering if you switch the language to, um, uh, so I understand that we need to push the deadline. It it just, it makes me very nervous and it's sort of a soft emotion that you're holding, that you're expressing as opposed to not even that you express a hard emotion, but you're reading a hard emotion. Um, and so being conscious of the fact that Francesca actually tends to read hard emotions because, um, of some of the childhood the, the, trauma yeah, guilt <laughs> like some of the guilt that you you expressed <laughs> that if you if you own it and you say hey, it just makes me a little bit nervous it may have a better effect as opposed to feeling like oh, like feeling like becca's becca's pissed at me
2: yeah that seems right i am conscious that i can sometimes be harsh and people are like you're direct like they say that in a nice way but i also know that means i know what that means would it help if i
3: responded with the way? I was feeling about it if I was like I, I'm i also nervous about this I, I just feel like it's assumed or it's understood or should be understood that I'm also worried about all these deadlines and worried about getting things done on time would it help if I communicated that better in the moment where I, if I'm like guys I'm really worried about this but I can't see any other way than for us to push this two days
2: yeah I think sometimes you, it comes off as like you're more laissez faire about it and like yeah. it'll just get done in the time it'll get done because that's what we have and it's like well, it might not. yeah, <laughs> I don't cool. know.
1: So by doing that, you're 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 joining Becca. It's like, hey, I'm with you on this. I feel I feel nervous about this too. You know, how can we solve this? I think that that's going to be a far more effective way of you strengthening the relationship as opposed to eroding the trust. Cool.
3: <laughs> yeah, I think that I had. It's my style sometimes, or I have a tendency to under communicate those feelings. I kind of like lock down, and I become defensive because I'm like well becca doesn't think I care and then I reinforce that by not expressing that I care uh so that's a weird self self sabotaging <laughs> thing that I do um but i I think I just need to not be not reading Becca's concern as like an indictment of me and actually be open about the fact that I'm concerned too
1: one thing that I think um we tend to do, especially now, but is like the idea is that everything is an emergency. I'm not saying that you shouldn't have a really high standard of quality for your work product, but also realize like it's really not an emergency.
2: I think I I, I suffer from that. That just seems like in our work lives, everything in my work life, like everything is like a reflection of who I am and like everything is the most important thing. So... I think yeah, it feels higher stakes, and maybe we. I need to dial down the stakes a little bit. Like, it's a fun, frankly, very silly show about productivity. It can, (laughs) it can feel that way. Episodes might not be perfect.
1: You know, there's nothing in nature is perfect. It doesn't exist, right? And like taking that burden off of yourself, but also the imperfection is the show you know, is the whole thing. And it's like, for me anyway, it's the things that are imperfect that are interesting. And like, it's the moments where things don't go right that you get to really, I mean, I know it sounds a little trite, but you do get to learn about yourself. And it's it's kind of fun. That's, you know, that's basically it. I mean, it usually like you kind of have the takeaways. Um, and so I would have you guys sort of work on those things together and see how it's going. If it's, if it's improving, it's not improving. Um, and then you know, that would be the next step.
2: Yeah, well, we happen to be in the midway point of this se- season for this show that we're doing. So there are many of these, we can apply these. experiences to come. Yes. Good.
3: Thank you so yeah, much. Thank you. This, this was is good. Yeah.
2: How did you feel after that session with Ben?
3: I was exhausted. And I felt like I needed to go home and take a nap.
2: Yeah, it was the first thing we did in the morning. And I couldn't believe I had a whole day ahead of me yeah. where I had to do more <laughs> We just had to go back to our desks and
3: act like it was a normal work day. But I felt good about it. We We said things that needed to be said. We didn't hurt each other's feelings too much. And we realized we were much more aligned on a lot of things than we thought we were.
2: Yeah, you didn't call me a mean bee. In Mm -hmm. fact, some of the things that I thought you didn't like about me, you actually like about me. So yeah, I thought it was productive. And I took away three specific tips that I think we could use going forward in our relationship. So the first one I would say is that we could communicate more face-to-face. Ben was pretty adamant about that. The second one is try to remind ourselves that not everything is an emergency all the time. And the third one is that we can talk about our emotions more when we're communicating instead of telling the other person what we think they need to do.
3: Yeah, so the next step was to see if any of these tips actually work. We'll see how that went after the break. So now it's a few days after we've met with Ben and he's given us some tips. But honestly, we weren't thinking about them that much because we were busy trying to wrap up an episode of this show. And then something happened. Becca, you requested a last minute change to an episode that was about to be published. And you did it over
2: chat. I know. (laughs) And you had left for the day and you didn't get to sign off on the change, which is what needed to happen, but it ended up going through anyway, and you were, understandably, not happy about it.
3: Yeah, so I sent you kind of a terse message over a chat, basically saying, it's too late to do anything about this now, but I don't like the way we handled this. And then, of course, it dawned on me, this was the perfect opportunity to test out Ben's advice to handle these things in person and not, as we were doing, over chat. So, the next morning, we found a spot to sit in the newsroom to talk over our issues. So, last night, I was annoyed about something that happened over chat after I left the office.
2: First, I'm sorry that it happened that way. Like, I agree that we should not be doing last minute edits that you, the person who owns the episode, which you did, does not get to sign off on. And I kind of in the back of my mind I knew that was happening, but we were both in this like chaos mode where you yeah. were, I was running to an appointment and it was 5 p.m. I think maybe you felt more strongly about it than I gave
3: you credit for because you said, I want this edit. I had taken a bunch of your other edits on a previous draft and then I had said, this one thing that you said I don't really agree with, I think we should keep it in. Yeah. And then you heard it in the final draft of the show that was right about to be published and you were like, I still don't like this. And that was the thing I didn't have a chance to respond to.
2: It wasn't just an edit I didn't like. It was something where I... You didn't like the Didn't like the way... Not sounded, but I was saying something I don't want to be on the record saying and don't mean. And I think that... I don't know how to, like, codify this. I'm not sure if we can, but it's... If you ever were like, I don't want to say this on tape... Yeah. I feel like there should be some sort of... Clause. Clause in, like, making a show where it's like, if you ever were like, I hate people who juggle, and then you... I don't believe that. But I think I could have expressed that to you in person and also been more clear about it.
3: I understood that you felt like you, you weren't represented well in this thing that you said. And I felt like you were overreacting. And so I think probably I didn't understand the extent to which it bothered you. And then I also kind of was like, I think she's overthinking this. Like, I think to me that moment when I listened to it, it sounded perfectly innocu, like a perfectly innocuous exchange. And right. I think that probably what needed to happen was you needed to communicate to me. I don't like this. You're not getting why I don't like this, but this isn't about, this is about. Yeah. Something about me that I don't want on tape. I think that the, not to get too mad about it, but I think the value of talking face to face is that the issue I thought we were having was that we ha is that like, I was like, Well this this is my episode so I should be the final sign off. Yeah. Which I think is an issue.
2: Like I think. But you basically agree with that. Yeah.
3: Well I'm glad we didn't let it continue to unfold over chat because this is a busy morning and that would have been easy to do. Yeah.
2: I feel like we (laughs) came to two important points, which is that like the person who owns the episode should own the episode and we should be respectful of that. And we should also be mindful if there's like times and episodes people really feel uncomfortable with what they're saying and try to express that better. But I think we we should good to have like the pushback mechanism, though. Like, I don't want anyone to be like, they can't say, like, no, you sound good, and we keep it in, because I right. think that instinct is right, too. Right. We should be like, I'm invoking...
3: Yeah. <laughs> I'm invoking the, you know, personal discomfort clause.
2: Yeah. I will say... As somebody who does like face-to-face encounters, that went even better than I thought it (laughs) would.
3: You were were in paradise. That was so face-to-face. And it would have been a bigger fight if it had stayed on chat. Yeah. Because we would have just kept kind of missing each other's main point and staying annoyed privately about the things we were annoyed about. Yeah. So I, I, I honestly felt bad about sending you a snotty chat message at like 930 at night the minute after I did it. And then I was nervous about sitting together and talking about it and then so relieved that we did. And I I think that we we came away from it understanding something that we didn't understand before, which is, that's the whole idea.
2: Yeah, I agree. I will say that, We spent 20 minutes talking about this one chat, and I don't know how people, how we're supposed to do that for all of our interpersonal conflicts. Like, that seems untenable. (laughs) I
3: think if we had snotty chat arguments every day, we would have to probably be more efficient about the IRL conversations. But this doesn't come up that often. It's not that common that we have a real-life bona fide conflict like this. Maybe, like... Every two or three weeks, once a month—I don't know. Yeah, so we could do a twenty-minute, we could do a twenty-minute heart-to-heart every month.
2: Yeah, all right. We, let's we'll try to commit to that.
3: Don't even lie. You want to do a twenty-minute heart-to-heart every day,
2: right now? I think it's fair to say we enjoyed a lot of these experiences, but the measure of success for our experiment was if we used a tip that we learned from our coach and it worked, then we would consider it a success. Would you say that we did it? I think we did. Yeah.
3: Yeah, totally. I mean, we wouldn't have talked face-to-face if it hadn't been for Ben, and the face-to-face talk was way more fruitful than a chat conversation would have been. So I think that equals it worked.
2: Yes, agree. I think we need to say that seeing Ben is not a reasonable option for most people who yeah. are just working on work projects with their coworkers.
3: Yeah, they don't have $400 out of pocket to spend on improving their yeah. work relationships.
2: But I do think it is valuable to work on your work relationship. And that's something that Erica, who we talked to earlier, said is a skill that most of us aren't trained for. I think if companies were smart, they would pick up the slack here a little bit. Like maybe not
3: invest in $400 management coaches for everybody, but do some training
2: around this with their employees and take it seriously as something people need to work on. I don't know. I would be down for a certain company to continue paying for $400 therapy sessions. I don't know. That's a good idea. Next week on Works for Me, Francesca cleans out her inbox. Where would you say I rank in like among all the
3: people you work with? Am I like the worst about email or no, am no. I am I in the middle or am I close to the bottom? I don't think you're at the very bottom, but you're near the bottom.
2: <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode of Works for Me. If you like our show, head on over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts and rate, review and subscribe. This show was hosted by me, Becca Greenfield. And me, Francesca Levy. And if you have a workplace problem you're trying to solve, we'd love to hear about it.
3: So leave us a voicemail at 212-617-0166 and we might use it on the show. Or you could tweet at us. I'm at Francesca today.
2: And I'm at RZ Greenfield. You can find more great Works For Me content on our show page at Bloomberg.com slash works for me, where we also have illustrations done by Jordan Spear. The show was produced by Topher Forges. And Francesca Levy is Bloomberg's head of podcasts.